There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, guys? How about this? It is a victory Friday because our beloved Chicago Bears shocked the world and won a game last night in Washington over the Commanders, a game that basically everybody except the I guess the complete believers pick the Bears to lose, including me. So happy to be wrong, happy to lose those points in the confidence pool that we're playing uh, on. You know, uh, for the for the pick'em game uh, this year, I believe I, I I went so far as to put seven points on the Commanders, and um, hey, I'm fine with it. I am more than okay because our boys looked good last night. For most, for the most part, and uh, I have some good news and bad news uh, regarding this situation. Number one, the good news is because the Bears have finally won a game, the ban on the knee-jerk reactions has been lifted. So, uh, yeah, knee-jerk reactions will return. The bad news is it won't be happening today, and the reason is. I left my phone upstairs. And I know you think it's just as simple as going and getting it, but um, Uncle Larry's got bad knees. And uh, yeah, I don't feel like I'm because I'm, I'm, I'm at my dad's house and I'm in the basement so that I don't disturb everyone while I'm recording the show. And my show, my phone isn't upstairs. It's upstairs, upstairs. So. Two flights of uh, upstairs, and I'm just too lazy to do it. I, it's, it's just, I don't want to. I really don't. So they'll be back when I'm not an idiot and I don't forget uh, my phone. And to tell you the truth, guys, more than anything, it has to do with this uh, this cough and this cold that I've been fighting thanks to, I don't know if it started with my, with my brother who passed it on to my niece, but I, she's patient zero, I think. And she passed it on to my stepmom, who, of course, has been hacking all over the house and uh, passed it on to me. And I think I heard my dad coughing a little bit yesterday. So it's working its way through the house. And, uh, yeah, going up, is just I can't do it. So I'm sorry. Knee-jerk reactions will return next week uh, when the Bears play the Vikings. And I'm not a dumbass, and I don't forget my phone. Uh, upstairs and uh, all the like. But I do have breaking news for you guys. So we had good news, bad news, and breaking news. The Chase Claypool era in Chicago is officially over. You know, as you guys have probably heard me say, uh, the divorce with Chase Claypool was pending. He was inactive again last night uh, against the Commanders. And just about 20 minutes ago, it came over the wire. The Bears have traded Chase Claypool, so we didn't let him go for nothing, which was rumored if nobody wanted to match our price. He was rumored to be, uh, you know, to be released, but we did find a taker, and the taker is the Miami Dolphins. 
who have uh, given us a 2025 sixth round pick in exchange for Claypool and a 2025 seventh round pick. So much like the trade that the um, Patriots and Chargers just did the other day for J.C. Jackson, where uh, the Patriots get Jackson in a seventh round pick and the Chargers got a sixth round pick from New England. That's the deal we got uh, from, from Miami. So Claypool and uh, a 2025 seventh rounder off to Miami. The Bears get a 2025 sixth round pick and uh, an open roster spot, which I believe will probably be Nathan Peterman since the Bears had to release him yesterday to make room for Tevin Jenkins uh, to be on the active roster. So trading Claypool opens up a roster spot, and I believe that that would probably bring Peterman back onto the uh, roster uh, unless the Bears go out and find some more DB health because they all went down again last night. So, Or some running back help. That might be good. Or we could stop making Deontay Foreman a goddamn inactive each and every week. I mean, just spitballing here, but... Nonetheless, uh, good news, bad news, breaking news. Let's go ahead and get the show started. This is the week five review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. On a quick turnaround, our beloved flew out to Washington to FedEx Field to take on the Washington Commanders, who started out 2-0. and but have also had to face some uh, some heavy artillery in the last two weeks with the Buffalo Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles, the Eagles of which they um, uh, scored 31 points, uh, sent it to overtime, and came up just short against the NFC champs uh, at in Philadelphia on Sunday, coming back home looking to rebound uh, against the uh, Bears. And let's just say our beloved never gave them a chance to hit the ground running. Uh, on Thursday as we took the opening kickoff 75 yards on six plays and it looked like Justin Fields and uh, DJ Moore were going to pick right up where they left off against the uh, Broncos as uh, DJ Moore did all the heavy lifting on the opening drive. Two big catches, one for 58 yards, I believe, and then a 20-yard touchdown pass to put the ball in the end zone inside the first three minutes. So 12.04 to go. In the first quarter, the Bears are already on the board. And um, here's the thing that I don't think anybody saw coming was that the defense came to play as well. Uh, I did not see that coming at all because we didn't see a good defense past the... We saw two really decent performances from the Bear defense last year. One was the 49er game week one where we held the Niners to 10 points, and I'm sure that the rain helped with that, but then we had a really solid performance against the um, Patriots, obviously, in our last win almost a year ago, and um, after that, we traded Robert Quinn, we traded Roquan Smith, and the defense went back to uh, being terrible, so for the for the duration of this losing streak, the defense has given up more than 25 points in every single game. Well, last year, or yesterday, I should say, we held the uh, commanders scoreless in the first quarter, only gave up a, th- a field goal in the second quarter, and held an opponent to 20 points for the first time since that New England game back in October of uh, of 2022. So 
we got sacks, we got turnovers. It was a, it was it was upside down world all over uh, all over the place uh, on on Thursday. But it was fun as hell to watch. Uh, never mind the fact that the Bears gave us all the heebie-jeebies during the third quarter by looking like they were going to recreate the Denver game all over again. But um, aside from that. First half was a blast, and you know Justin Fields and and DJ Moore, and and for me the credit goes to the offensive line because that was that was my main beef with Week One against Green Bay was that we got smacked around in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I mean that's where it started. That's why Jordan Love had a millennia to throw the football. That's why Justin Fields was you know getting sacked and you know looked like the twenty twenty one. Justin Fields, where he's just learning how to be a pro uh, and everything. Saw something very similar outside of the opening drive against the Buccaneers. We saw it all day long against the Chiefs. And then last week, he's got time. He's back there. He can scan the field. He's, you know, uh, free in the pocket. Boom, he's hitting targets all over the place. Uh, Komet's got two touchdowns. DJ Moore's got 130 yards. Darnell Mooney's getting involved and all that kind of stuff. And the real question was, going into this game, did the was it just that we played a cupcake defense in the Broncos, or did the Bears actually figure something out on Sunday against the Broncos? Did we turn a corner? And after last night's performance, an optimist would have to say they turned a corner because we really only played one bad quarter of football last week against the Broncos because if you remember even though we only scored once in the third quarter it was a 15 play 66 nine, 66 yard nine and a half minute drive that the Bears conducted to go up 28 to 7 with you know three minutes to go in the third quarter and then it, it all went south from there so the final 18 minutes of that game is where it went bad for the Bears so it was that one bad quarter of football in the fourth quarter that really cost us the game. But even in that fourth quarter, the Bears were moving the ball, you know, because we had that fourth and one call was on the 17-yard line of the Broncos. So we had a nice drive to put it in, in the red zone before Eberflus decided he wanted to go for it on fourth and one. And tell me that your butthole, butthole didn't pucker up every time we tried to go for it on third and fourth and one uh, against the Commanders last night. I got nervous every single time. But so the real question was would the Bears be able to do it again, especially facing a commander's defensive line that's got four first round picks on it? Uh you know, that had these two stud defensive tackles when we seemed to be vulnerable in the middle of the offensive line. And at times we were last night for sure. Lucas Patrick, God bless the guy. I know he's extremely popular in the locker room uh, with the players, but he is an absolute liability at center for the Bears. Okay, I just keep seeing the guy getting posted up and shoved into the backfield by the defensive tackles that he faces week in and week out. You know, you just see it too much. Guys got to get underneath the defensive lineman's pads, but instead he's the one that's getting shoved up and driven Right in the, I mean, collapse in the pocket because, uh, you know, Patrick is getting shoved back there. You know, I, I, I hate to say it, but the guy did us a favor when he, when he ended up leaving the game yesterday. 
is like Cody up Cody Whitehair isn't a huge upgrade at center, but at the very least, Whitehair being in at center A takes Patrick out, which he did on his own. But for the remainder of the first half, that meant Tevin Jenkins, who was back and active and playing last night, finished the entire second half last night. Now, for some reason, after halftime, he went back to being on a pitch count, and he was rotating in and out with uh, with JT Carter. But at least he was back in. I'm hoping that this 10-day break, when we come back uh, next Sunday against the Vikings, that uh, the pitch count will be gone and Tevin Jenkins will not leave the game. I would very much like for that to be the case because he looked good last night uh, against the uh, against the Commanders. We ran the ball fairly well uh, behind him because uh, I think we ran it behind him twice the the first series that he was in the game, which was the third series. And, um, you know, Khalil Herbert uh, had 76 yards rushing last night. Um, yeah, and there was, one, there was one play in particular that was a lot of fun uh, as an old-school old lineman myself. Um, Borum and Jenkins, who I guess work well together because Larry Borum wasn't the liability he was against the Broncos. Uh, last night, open up the hole on the left side. Here comes Darnell Wright pulling in from the right. Absolutely buries the uh, sacrificial defensive back who tried to plug up the hole. Got roasted uh, by Wright, and uh, as on a uh, design QB run for Fields, who got about seven eight yards uh, on the run. But he absolutely flattened that defensive back. It was so much fun uh, watching that unfold. You see that big guy come running around the corner. The hole opens up. He runs right through it, just buries that defensive back. Justin Fields skirts right through, gets a nice chunk of yardage uh, before getting uh, run out of bounds. But I digress. As I was saying, the uh, the real question was, would because I think everyone expected the defense to be what they have been, despite the fact that we did upgrade a good majority of the defensive roster. You know, we were all expecting, we just wanted the Bears to make a game out of it. Because the whole the whole time between the loss to Denver, even leading up to minutes before the kickoff on Thursday, all that was talked about was the future. As in, what do the Bears do if we lose badly on, on Thursday? Because I think everyone anticipated us actually losing the game, including me. Um. But if the Bears come out and play badly, you know, do we even let Eberflus on the plane to get back into Chicago? And, um, you know, instead, instead of it just being a, a one-off performance against the second-worst defense in the NFL, because we're the worst, um, it looked to be, knock on wood, a launching pad for what this offense should have looked like from the beginning. And it started with the offensive line. The offensive line gave Fields the time. He was able to sit in the pocket, scan the field, find his receivers, hit his step into his throws. I mean, he looked just like he did against Denver, confident, making good decisions, throwing the football very, very well. I mean, even the only time that that Fields kind of uh, pissed me off last night were on those occasions where he got under pressure 
And the one, the other other progress that we can say that Fields actually has made is that he actually threw some balls away last night. You know, he wasn't hanging on to the ball and then taking a six-yard loss, a.k.a. sack, because he ran out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage. He was actually getting rid of the ball, so sec- so first and 10 would be second and 10, not second and 16, because he ran out of bounds because there was nowhere to go with the ball, and he couldn't move the ball upfield. He was getting rid of the ball. It's like, that's progress. You know, believe it or not, that's not a good play for us, but that's progress for Fields getting rid of the damn ball. And, um, but there were other occasions where he was in gross danger. And I think actually we got away with one as well. A, um, intentional grounding call. He got nailed with one last week against the Broncos. And there was one, I think it was Chase Young, who is, uh, probably a future Chicago bear. Uh, (laughs) but Chase Young, uh, was bearing down on on uh, you know Fields, no pun intended. Fields was you know getting wrangled to the ground, threw the ball away, and I guess you could say there was a receiver in the area. He threw it in the direction of a receiver, but that receiver was about a good five yards up the field from where the ball was, and Fields didn't make it outside the tackle box. So. Technically, that is intentional grounding, and the rules expert for Amazon was more than happy to show us the replay of how he didn't make it out the tackle box and how there really wasn't a receiver in the neighborhood of where he threw the ball. So that should have been a penalty, loss of down, the whole nine yards. But instead, the uh, the refs said there was no intentional grounding, and uh, maybe they thought that he made it out. I don't know if that's a challengeable call because I believe Rivera probably would have if it was. But nonetheless, we got away with that. And then there was another one where he did actually get it to the vicinity of a of a player. But, you know, there there were a couple of times where it's just like, don't, you know, <laughs> maybe that was one of those things he was talking about when he was talking about how coaching can be overwhelming. Because the way that he got rid of the ball last night on occasion kind of looked like, that's something that's being pounded into his head lately is don't take the sack, get rid of the ball. Don't take the sack, get rid of the ball. Because there were times where, you know, yeah, just take the sack on that one, bro. Because there was one that floated up there. God forbid I just knew a defender for the commanders was going to come underneath it and run him back. You know, there was one that he threw that just really kind of hung up there. And it's like, oh, good God. And thankfully it fell innocently to the ground. But that seems like one of those things that's probably being uh, pounded into his head lately is that uh, don't take the sack and get rid of the ball. Because he did that. He's rolling out. There's nobody there. He just flings it out of bounds. Hey, man, I'll take that. Versus what he used to do, I will absolutely take that. But when you're under duress and you're being taken to the ground, do not heave the ball downfield. Don't do that. Just take the sack on that one. Okay? Just <laughs> please don't do that anymore. My heart can't take it. So, but I do believe that's probably one of those coaching points that's been emphasized to him uh, lately because that's what he did uh, last night. He did a much better job of getting rid of the ball instead of taking a six-yard 
you know, sack because he ran out of bounds because there was no one there and all that kind of stuff. But first half, man, outstanding once again. Not as, um, I guess, lucrative or, uh, yeah, lucrative, I guess would be the word, for Fields himself. But the one balling out on, on Thursday was DJ Moore. 135 yards on like four catches in the first half. Two touchdowns. Just, yeah, this is what we, this is why we traded for him. This is why Ryan Poles wouldn't pull the trigger on the Carolina deal without DJ Moore. And uh, we are getting an outstanding return on our investment right now. Even though getting more as part of that deal was an absolute steal and why I still, to this day, love that trade. Because let's just say the Bears don't have the number one pick. It would have cost us at least our first-round pick to make a deal for DJ Moore. At least. And instead, he was, I don't want to say a throw-in, because that's not something that he, he was, it wasn't something that was done lightly, especially since Carolina is now in search of a, one, a number one wide receiver to help out Bryce Young. Like, I don't think they regret having Bryce Young, but they definitely regret throwing in DJ Moore as part of the deal because they need a DJ Moore to help out Bryce Young. To the part where, you know, I've heard rumors that they might be after T. Higgins, but God only knows what that's going to cost them. They don't have a first rounder in 2024, and they don't have a second rounder in 2025 because we got those as part of the uh, Bryce Young deal. So... Good luck figuring what, I mean, it might take that or like another one of their top players. You know, their second rounder next year and Brian Burns, to, you know, to get the, to get the T Higgins or something. That's probably one of, that's a lopsided trade, but you know what I'm, what I'm getting at here. They don't have the assets to pull it off, which is where we were a year ago. And now we got DJ Moore who played like an absolute beast last night. Everything he did, you know, turned to magic yesterday, especially in the first half, and you could really get a sense that he was enjoying the hell out of himself. And uh, along with what he did in the second half, eight catches. That's all it was. Eight catches on ten targets. 230 yards and three touchdowns last night. Absolute bananas. And here's the thing. One of those targets... Just missed him for another touchdown. I mean, it was literally just outside of his fingertips. Fields, you know, that's why I was so happy with how Fields played uh, last night. Because even even the bad throws, except for the ones where he decided to heave the ball while he was going to the ground kind of thing, which just made me absolutely batshit insane. But, you know, in those moments, outside of those moments, I should say, he was extremely accurate. Like even his bad throws were just off as opposed to just being wildly out of the area kind of thing. You know what I mean? It was uh, really nice to see. I think that that fields is locking in and um, it's definitely encouraging that he did it two weeks in a row and that he did it to a, a much better defense last night. Now, if you listen to 
uh, my talk with with Mr. Who from the Commander's Declassified podcast earlier this week, or especially if you caught my appearance on their podcast on Tuesday. You know, the strength of their defense is their front four, and they're especially worried about the second level and their their secondary. Well, that was proven yesterday because DJ Moore took that uh, that rookie DB of theirs to school last night. Emmanuel Forbes is uh, the name of their first-round pick uh, this year. And, uh, yeah, they had him on DJ Moore. And eventually they had to bench him because there was that catch in the second half where DJ Moore, for the second time, caught was essentially about an 8- to 10-yard hitch route and turned it up to the, turned it up field for a huge gain. And that second one, I still haven't seen a replay that shows me he stepped out of bounds even though the referee called him out. Because if he lets the play go, it's a touchdown. Because Darnell Mooney had a block uh, upfield, it was going to be a touchdown. Two against one to get into the end zone, DJ Moore would have made it. That would have been a touchdown. Instead, we had to settle for a field goal uh, on that drive. We could have put this thing away early last night. But instead, he says the referee, the referee says he stepped out. We never got to see like a sideline view, like going down the sideline where they have those really great shots where you see, you know, the white of their shoe touch the white of the sideline. We never got to see that. And every angle that I saw, I didn't see him step out, not definitively anyway. But they saw him go out. They blew the whistle dead. They didn't let the play finish out, which I wish they would have. Because then it would have been an automatic review, and you know we could have seen with it. Guys, I want to apologize if I sound like I'm drifting, because um, you're not going to hear this in the final product. But I've been stopping every few minutes or so to hack my guts out because this cough is kicking my ass because I'm talking too much. So I might lose my train of thought while I'm coughing, and I'm just trying to remember where I was, kind of thing. So. Yeah, and without the help of the knee-jerk reactions, which are on my phone, two flights ahead, two flights of stairs above me that I don't want to traverse right now. So yeah, I apologize if this episode is all over the place, but um, yeah. But overall, it was an outstanding night for us, and I'm looking at the stats now, and Justin Fields only completed passes to three players last night. DJ Moore, obviously, uh, Cole Komet. And Robert Tunyon. He had targets to Equinemia St. Brown, Khalil Herbert, and Darno Mooney. No catches on four targets last night. That was another one where he had Mooney. Oh, that was that was the that happened twice last night. There was two missed pass interference calls, one of which was with Mooney in the end zone last night. Guy didn't look back for the ball, literally put his hands in in, in Darno Mooney's face. I mean, Darno still almost came down with it because it was such a great throw from uh, Fields, like right on point. But it that was definitely pass interference, no call. No call whatsoever. You know, just, uh, just terrible, terrible uh, officiating at times uh, last night. But we were able to persevere. But Darno Mooney... Zero catches on four targets, meaning that uh, Fields only hit three different receivers last night. Meanwhile, Sam Howell, who threw 51 times last night, 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven different receivers caught passes from him last night. Um, yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> Meanwhile, Justin Fields uh, outdueled him. Didn't outgain him as far as yardage was concerned, but uh, he threw four touchdown passes, and Sam Howell only threw two. And he did it on about half as many attempts. Justin Fields threw 29 times. Sam Howell threw 51 times. And I know that the commanders were behind early in this game, but I felt like, and I'm, I'm sure commanders fans believe so as well, he abandoned the run way too early last night. I mean, I don't know if they ran the ball at all in the second half. And, you know, which stands to read, they were down 27-3 to at halftime, so they got to come out throwing uh, the ball. In the opening drive of the game, they showed a stat at one point, like a graphic that said uh, play selection, 10 passes, zero rushes uh, on that uh, opening drive where they went right down the field and scored a touchdown. But, you know, it was um, – and actually that's one of the beefs that, uh, that Brian and company from the Commanders podcast have – uh, with Turner, their offensive coordinator, is that he doesn't really adjust his game plan, which is something that we talked about at length on the podcast, which was that, you know, when the thing that killed the Bears last week against the Broncos was that the Broncos obviously had things to fix going into halftime down 21-7 to uh, to an offense that had struggled to score 20 points up to that point in the season. They made adjustments in the in at halftime. It slowed the Bears down, especially on defense. Because after the opening drive, the Bears were rather dominant on defense, shutting the Broncos down. Well, in the second half, they scored 24 points to R7. And, you know, did so by fixing what they were doing in the first half, making adjustments. We saw the same thing happen last night where it looked like the commanders went in there, they assessed what was happening, what was working, what wasn't, and came out with a different game plan. And even though that game plan involved them basically never running the ball again uh, in the second half, it was working. And you could see what they were doing over and over again. The, The commanders went to more attacking the middle, of the field, which is where a cover two style defense is vulnerable, that area behind the linebackers and in front of the safeties. And that's basically where the commanders lived for the entire second half. And for a while there, it looked like we were recreating the Denver game all over again, even though we had a bigger lead at halftime by 10 points. We had a 14 point lead over Denver. We had a 24 point lead against the commanders, 27 to three uh, at halftime. You know, we were shut out in the third quarter, 11 to nothing, because the Commanders scored that opening drive touchdown, added a field goal later. So going into halftime, our 27 to 3 lead is now 27 to 14. Same thing as it was a week ago when it was a two score game going into the fourth quarter. So it looked entirely possible that the Bears were going to piss this thing away again. Thankfully, that didn't happen. Uh, this time, because it seemed like we, the one thing I really praise Matt Eberflus for is in his defensive play calling last night was that he stuck to his guns 
as far as dialing up the pressure on Sam Howell because it eventually started working. And we started getting to Sam Howell. We sacked him four times. And if it wasn't for some piss-poor tackling last night, we should have had about six or seven sacks on him uh, in this game because we had him dead to rights two times specifically that I remember. One time where he pulled a Justin Fields and ran right into the arms of a defender, but somehow he got away from the defensive tackle, then squirted out of the hands of the It was either Walker or Ngakwe, one of the two, that had the second shot at him. And then he runs out of the pocket and damn near got a first down on the play. And then it happened again in the fourth quarter where he just kept squirting out of there like he was made out of WD-40 or something. Just just right out the right out of the open, open arms, literally pulling his legs out of people's hands and getting away. You know? So those were two sacks that should have gone down for us. And for whatever reason, he just wanted it more than us on those two plays, and he got away. And uh that was aggravating as hell uh to watch. To see this quarterback, it's not like we were trying to tackle Cam Newton or something. Sam Howell is not a big guy. And here he was muscling his way out of sacks in the third and fourth quarter last night. And like I said, just really just showing that he wanted it more than we did. Okay, so I'm seeing we had five sacks, so it should have had seven, maybe even eight last night. So, yeah. He got away from us twice, at least twice last night, where it was just like, what are we doing? Seriously, guys, what are we doing? So, yeah, I don't know. But um, but in the second half, we finally did what we could not do or failed to do yes, last week against the Broncos was we put this thing away. Number one, we were able to add a couple of field goals from uh, from Santos uh, in there. And then, of course, the dagger being the 56-yard uh, pass from uh, Fields to Moore, who took what was maybe like a, an eight-yard hitch route, turned it upfield, ran away from the defense, to make it 37 to 20. So Santos added a field goal to make it 30 to 14 at the start of the fourth quarter. The Commanders added a touchdown drive, 12 plays, 75 yards, but did that in 318. They were chugging on down the field there. And then uh a drive or two later, three plays, 64-yard drive, 56-yard pass from Fields to DJ Moore where he caught it and just turned it upfield, ran away from the defense to make it 37-20 with four minutes to go, basically putting the game away. And that's what we didn't have last week against the Broncos was that dagger, which I think is what uh, Eberflus was trying to go for last week when we went for it on fourth and one from the 17 instead of taking the field goal, thinking that maybe if we score our own touchdown, not only are we taking more time off the clock, but we put this thing away. We're giving them less time to work with. In fact, we might get them to burn their first downs as well. 
and they'll have to score a touchdown uh, to beat us as opposed to settling for a field goal, which is what happened because we didn't get the goddamn first down. But maybe that's what he was thinking. And I could see that, but, you know, I just thought it was it was a bad tell that he didn't trust his defense to make a stop or to be able to stop the Broncos from actually scoring a touchdown because we had to go and score one of our own to really put this thing away. So maybe that's just the uh, the eternal pessimist in me, and that's my view because the call didn't work out. But no need to worry about it this week because, uh, number one, we kept scoring, and number two, that touchdown pass from Fields to Moore, that was the dagger that put it away. Made it a three-score game with four minutes to go. And uh, when it was it was getting increasingly harder for the Bears to be able to put it away because that was a point in the game where you'd want to be able to run the ball, which we did fairly well last night when, when Herbert was uh, healthy. But on one of uh, Fields' scrambles, he tried to get the ball out to uh, – Herbert short-armed the throw, and Herbert had to kind of stop and come back for it, ended up twisting up his body and rolling up his uh, leg to do it. Goes in the blue tent, gets a pretty fierce-looking tape job because it didn't look like he had a sock on one of his legs. You can see the stripes on his left leg and nothing but white tape on his right leg. And uh, came back in the game, God bless him, and uh, ran off to the right, and then when he went to make a cut, folded like a cheap suit, went right down to the ground. It's like, oh, man, he's done. So I'm hoping it's not serious. I'm hoping he doesn't miss time and uh, that uh, we'll be able to take advantage of this mini-buy where he's got 10 days to get ready uh, for the next one. But I love the hell out of him for coming back in the game because he knew we needed him to. Because with Roshan getting uh, ha- going into concussion protocol earlier in the game, Deontay Foreman being inactive, he was the only running back we had left. So he knew we needed him and came back in the game, tried to make a go of it, tried to put some weight on that leg in the – because they, they said he was sprinting on the sideline, so running in a straight line, he's fine. But putting weight on that leg to make a cut, he went straight down. Uh, from that so I'm hoping it's not serious and I said I hope the 10 days is enough for him to get ready for the Vikings game next Sunday but I, I I really appreciate him coming back into the game but because he couldn't go Kari Blazingame literally the only running back healthy on the roster at that point in the game and the Bears made an earnest effort uh, of it with uh with Kari Eight carries, 26 yards, which I I read somewhere online that uh, when he made his fourth carry, he'd carry the ball more times in that quarter than he had in his entire NFL career to that point. And eight carries for 26 yards is 3.3 yards a carry, which for a fullback, not bad. You know, he was able to push ahead, had a long run of six in the game. So, you know, was able to use his... uh, his weight and a little push from the offensive line to get uh, a handful and then some. But, uh, you know, here it is. The Bears are looking to try to 
ice the game, bleed the clock, get the game over with, and we don't have a healthy running back on the roster uh, at the moment. So having that throw to DJ Moore was a miracle, was, was the miracle that we needed to put this thing away because we were in danger of having to punt the ball back to uh, the commanders uh, at you know, a 30-20 to 20 game with you know still five minutes or so to go in the game. It's uh, not a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. But when DJ Moore turned that eight-yard hitch route into a 56-yard touchdown, that was it. You know, it went from, because that was third down, it went from, you know, if this doesn't work out, game's over, you know, or we're giving the ball back and, you know, we could be in the middle of another Denver comeback. But instead, he turns it around and the game was over. We're up three scores with four minutes to go uh, in the game. The commanders would need an absolute miracle to uh, pull that off, even against the Bears. So, uh, yeah. But he had his moments last night, and by he, I mean Justin Fields. But he, he looked like the quarterback that we've been waiting to see. He's making the steps in the passing game that we had to wait the whole first month of the season to finally see him do, and that was because... The offensive line finally gave him time to do it, you know, and and maybe I was right about the going from Denver to Washington, maybe being able to see what it looks like against that cupcake defense where they basically were able to do what, whatever they wanted for the most part last week, because even when we came up short, we were still moving the ball really well. Maybe that was helpful as far as a learning tool to get ready for this game. Uh, on Thursday, was that we were able to run the offense the way we wanted to run it all along against this defense that we're able to protect the quarterback, get him time in the pocket so we could scan the field, and receivers were able to get open, and everything went right for the Bears on offense for the most part last week. And, you know, maybe that's what was helpful that led us to be able to do it again, or it gave us the belief that it could be done. Something. Because the commanders are much better on defense than the Broncos were, but we put on a similar performance against them. Hell, we scored almost as many points in the first half than we did for the entire game last week against the Broncos. So, I mean, the other thing that helped was that the Bears got some turnovers again last night. We got two of them, in fact. One interception and and one uh, uh, strips uh, fumble. By Terrell Smith, that fumble was huge. By the way, because I th- I think it was uh, it was a thirty to twenty game, and uh, no, it was I think it was twenty seven, I think it was twenty seven fourteen maybe. Because I think it, no, actually, we didn't. We ended up just punting that one back. I'm trying to get my facts straight here, because that was kind of a no harm no foul turnover, other than it just killed the momentum of the drive that the Commanders were on at the time. So, yeah, but two turnovers last night, and uh, the one in the in the first half was an interception by, uh, I believe, Greg Stroman. Number two, yeah, Greg Stroman. I wanted to get his first name right as well. Just stepped right in front of one, and uh, a couple plays later, Fields finds Komet in the end zone, make it twenty-seven to three as we go into uh, halftime. 
And uh, in the second half, it was the you know a hole that the Commanders couldn't dig themselves out of. They tried like hell, man. Uh, they did, but in the end, when they needed a stop, when they really needed a stop in the second half, they couldn't get it. And DJ Moore continued his just juggernaut of a night. Fields through for 282 yards, 230 of them went to DJ Moore last night. <laughs> so that's some video game type shit right there where you threw for 380 and 340 of them went to one guy. Just kept finding that wide receiver open on that one play. Do that all the time sometimes. But, um, yeah. And I'm just hoping, you know, the Vikings aren't exactly a juggernaut on defense either. And, you know, then we got the Raiders after that. And then the Chargers, even though they're a much more explosive team offensively, they are a mess on defense as well, even with that six sacks performance uh, from Khalil Mack. But he's not going to do that every week. That was a once in career, once in a career type performance that he gave against the uh, Raiders, and that's just because the Raiders were down twenty four to seven at halftime, and they had to pass to catch up. So they were they you know they they weren't able to leave help in with their tackles. So Mac was winning one on one matchups over and over again because they needed those bodies out and pass uh, in pass formation. So. The next good defense that we face will be like week nine when we play the the Saints. And who knows what kind of shape that team's going to be in by the time we see them. They're still performing well on defense, but their offense is in shambles. So we might not need 30 points to beat the Saints five weeks from now, four weeks from now. So, I mean, that was the thing that was so frustrating about the way we were playing is that aside from the Chiefs week three and aside from maybe the Lions week 10, the rest of those games were extremely winnable, even that Packer game. And yet we got embarrassed those first three weeks. We finally showed up a little uh, against the Broncos, you know, at least offensively anyway, and then ended up blowing that game. And then we beat the Commanders, which wasn't, you know, which wasn't a gimme, but it was winnable, and we won it because we played well. Next week against the Vikings, it'll be the same thing. It's like we'll we'll have a chance. It won't be like, oh, well, the Bears just got to get rolled in this one. It's like if we show up on defense and slow down Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, their defense isn't, some, isn't anything to write home about. We'll be able to keep ourselves in that game, if not beat the Vikings, especially – if the Bears-Vikings history means anything to you, the Bears win at home. They always win the Chicago game. Well, the last two years they haven't, but still. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. And then, like I said, the Raiders, they are an absolute mess as well right now. Defense not performing well, despite having a Max Crosby on their defense. And then, like I said, you have the Chargers who are explosive on offense, but they're down Mike Williams, who they lost in that Minnesota game to an ACL for the rest of the year. Austin Eckler's been in and out of the lineup with an ankle injury. I mean, they've got Justin Herbert, who's good enough to uh, elevate everybody around him, but I don't know. They've had a horrible luck with injuries the last couple 
couple years. And they can't keep Joey Bosa in the lineup. He's in and out with one injury or another. So that'll be helpful. So, And like I said, the next good defense that we face is the Saints. But they can't score points. Or at least they haven't really been able to do it thus far. So it's like their first win of the year against Tennessee, they only scored 16 points to win. Their second win over Carolina, they won 20-17. to 17. They only scored 17 against the Packers, but that was before Derek Carr went down with the shoulder injury. He tried to gut it out last week, but they only scored, like, I think, nine points or something like that against the Buccaneers. So their offense has got to 20 points, but is yet to break 20 points this year. They are struggling to do that. So, you know, and then, like I said, the next game, uh, week 10, is the, I think we're at home against the Lions to start the, the series this year. That's the next team that comes around where it's like, well, you can just pencil in an L for this one because the Lions are for real so far. So, yeah, I mean, it's that's what's been the most frustrating about the way the Bears have been playing is that we've got a schedule laid out in front of us that was supposed to make it easy for us to get to 10 and 7 or 11 and 6 or hell even 9 and 8, you know. It's like this this is the the schedule that we have in front of us is just too good. It's too easy. Like, you know, those the the matchup with the with the 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 Falcons later on in this year is like then are you really worried about the Falcons? It's like they look like they might be something, but they've come crashing down in reality the last two weeks. Starting out two and zero, and then combining for thirteen points in their last two games to get beat up by the Lions and the Jaguars. They are there's nothing on the schedule that really scares me going forward. So, and, you know, if we can keep playing against defenses like the, the two that we faced these last couple of weeks or play on offense the way that we have, we're going to have a shot to win these games. I mean, it's it's going to go from rooting for the Bears to have the number one and number two picks to rooting against the, um, against the uh, Panthers so that they give us the number one pick. Wouldn't that be something? For us to start winning games and end up with the number one pick anyway? Be a fun problem to have. So. Okay. So let's go ahead and uh, wrap this thing up because I think I've rambled on long enough. (laughs) For bear up and bear down. Uh, Let's start with the the easy ones. Well, actually, I'm going to save the the easiest one. But... uh, Bear up to Matty Rafflus. You weathered the storm. You finally got us our first win in almost an entire year, an entire calendar year. Um, the defense played decent last night, but I also got to give you a bear down because it took too long in the second half to make adjustments to uh, slow the commanders down. I mean, we... We were well on our way to blowing this thing again if it wasn't for the turnover that we got. And that, you know, the reason that I put you on the bear up list is because you kept coming with the pressure. You kept sending Edwards and and, and uh, Stroman. Yeah, we saw Jaquan Brisker getting in there uh, as well. Got five sacks. We should have had seven uh, if not for some piss-poor tackling 
uh, last night. You came after um, Howell, and, uh, you know, so good for you, but also bear down for whatever lapses it took you too long to figure out in the second half. Against the better team, we're blowing that lead. So you got to be careful with that stuff. And same thing for Luke Getze. Bear up to Luke Getze. I think we honestly have turned a corner in the with the, with the offense. And we go so as the offensive line does and bear up to the offensive line um for a second perform second very good performance in a row. Giving Fields the time to do it so that God forbid if mistakes are being made, they're on Justin Fields, not Justin Fields made a mistake because he had to make a, a you know a decision in a dire situation. So, yeah. But also bear down to Luke Getze. Took too long to make adjustments in the second half. The game almost got away from us. And I know both guys who are chief play callers, Getze and Eberflus, both guys had to deal with some pretty shitty, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty shitty injury situations last night. One DB after another was taken off the field on the defensive side. And we were down to Kari Blazingame as our only healthy running back on the offensive side. I know that that limits you tremendously. I get it. So that's why you're on both lists instead of just the one. Because honestly, I, I, I would have just left you on there on the bear down list because this thing almost got away from us. And there would have been no excuse, especially with a 27-3 first half where both units looked outstanding. So, but in the second half, we almost blew the damn thing, got it to 30-20 to before DJ Moore and Justin Fields saved us with that last touchdown. So, bear up and bear down to Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze. Bear up to the offensive line. Like I said, second good performance in a row. Bear up Cairo Santos. Hasn't missed a kick yet in extra points or field goals and um, really needed those extra points he was giving us yesterday and by the extra points I mean the field goals so that I think the Bears only ended up punting like twice yesterday if I'm not mistaken let me see yeah Trent uh, no there is Trent and Gill three times three kicks so we punted three times last night but not for the first time until like mid third quarter something like that but uh, Santos has been automatic for us this year. Bear up, Khalil Herbert. Not only for your 7.6 yard per carry average last night, but for gutting it out and trying to come back into the game last night. Knowing the situation and knowing that we needed you to come back, for you to abs- for you to try, I, yeah, you get nothing but my appreciation for that. I really appreciate you trying to come back in the game trying to give it a shot. But I also thank you for not coming back after it didn't work out. You know, I really appreciate that even more. So you got yourself out of the game. You knew you couldn't go. But like I said, hopefully it's not uh, anything serious and that after the 10-day rest, you come back and run for a buck 80 against the uh, Vikings next Sunday. Uh, Bear up. 
Cole Komet, another touchdown catch uh, for you. Gotta love that. Five catches, 42 yards, and the touchdown. Five catches on five targets. Never get tired of seeing that on the stat sheet. Bear up Justin Fields. 15 of 29, not the sexiest stat line, but 282 and four touchdowns. I'll take that all day. Uh, also 11 carries for 57 yards. We got him dialed up a bit in the uh, in the run game uh, last night. Like I said, my favorite play of the entire night was that uh, designed fields run that had Darnell right pulling from the right side. Uh, Borum and Jenkins opened up the hole. Darnell Wright comes through it, plows over uh, Emmanuel Forbes, who just had a just an absolute terrible night. He got smoke left and right by DJ Moore, and then he got trucked in a highlight by Darnell Wright, which opened up a huge hole for Fields to get about seven or eight yards on a design run uh, last night. But I absolutely love that. And uh, but two eighty-two and four touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles. You did try to throw a pick once or twice, trying to get rid of the ball. Um, you know, trying to avoid or you know almost getting an intentional grounding. You should have got one last night, but seeing the progress that we want to see as a passer, especially since it looks like teams are really loading up for your legs. So we need your arm and you've got an outstanding arm. And now the offensive line has been doing a great job these last two weeks of giving you time uh, to use it. And we've seen DJ Moore explode. I think he's got what? 360 yards in these last two games and five touchdowns. I'll take that for sure. Absolutely. So what else? Oh, yeah. Bear up DJ Moore. (laughs) Eight catches, 230 yards, three touchdowns on 10 targets. And like I said, one of those missing targets where he was about, I don't know, three inches off from hitting DJ for another touchdown last night. It still would have, I think it still would have been just the three touchdowns but that third one would have come earlier in the game and uh yeah but two like 50 yard uh receptions uh in the game like everything he did absolutely hurt the uh commanders uh last night because he's averaging what 20 23 yards a catch oh excuse me 28 this is the average, 28.8 yards a catch last night. So, yeah, he was a problem for them. And I was, and I tweeted last night because the Bears took the opening kickoff in for that touchdown and, and another throw to, to DJ Moore, who was seemingly wide open. But on, you know, two pass attempts in that one, he gashed the commanders. I keep wanting to say Redskins, but he gashed them. And, um, again, I was like, yeah, kind of like the same thing I tweeted out during the Tampa Bay game was as awesome as it was to watch the offense march right down the field and score. I have to remind you again, we were number one in the league in doing this last year, scoring on the opening drive, and we were 3-14 and 14 with the worst record in the league. So I want to see what happens from here before I start getting excited about the offense. And then I added as a footnote, and hey, Mr. Who, y'all might want to cover DJ Moore tonight, just saying. So, yeah, that was uh, just wanted to throw that one out there 
early on. He's like, we're a drive into this game. He's already got 70 yards uh, receiving and a touchdown. So on two catches. So, yeah, you might want to cover that guy. Just saying. And, um, yeah, apparently he didn't pass the memo on to uh, Jack Del Rio and the commander's defense because uh, eight catches on 10 targets, 230 yards, and three touchdowns isn't covering DJ Moore. So, oh, man, and I I almost forgot. Bear up, Dick Butkus. He uh, sadly passed away. Um. I think Wednesday night, they said, in his sleep overnight. Uh, He was 80 years old. Uh, Unfortunately, we weren't able to get him a win before he passed. It would have been nice to get him uh, one in uh, his last Soldier Field appearance, which was week one against the Packers. It was alumni uh, weekend, and he was there. He uh, famously put a post up on Twitter that said, uh, someone give me some shoulder pads and a quarterback to tackle. And, um, yeah, he is an absolute legend. And, um, you know, we, we found out just a few hours before the game that he had passed away and, um, actually probably not even more than a couple hours to be honest, but it was, it was all over everywhere. We saw, watched a a really nice, uh, segment on sports center. Uh, they brought in Michael Wilbon, uh, to talk about him as a former, as a Chicago native and uh, for a guy in his position as a, a journalist, he had the pleasure of, of meeting uh, Butkist on more than one occasion and uh, spoke very fondly uh, of him. And, um, you know, he is the definition of what a middle linebacker, not just for the Bears is, but for in pro football. I don't think there's ever been a more feared player in the history of the NFL than did Butkus and his legend has done nothing but grow uh, over the years, especially since anything that Butkus did back in the day would get him flagged and fined uh, in today's game. The way that he hit some people, the ferocity in which he came in, that's why he was, that's why people feared him and probably would have played for a hundred years. If not had been, if it had not been for such, he had such bad knees uh, when he was with the Bears. And sometimes he just basically hobbling around, still doing things and filled with piss and vinegar and, and going out and doing things for his Bears. He is a born and raised Chicagoan himself, was raised on the South Side, went to CVS, even went to the University of Illinois for college. It's like he never left the state, you know. But he and Gail Sayers were drafted number three and number four overall in 1965. It's very rare. I had a thing. I don't think it's ever happened before that um, you know a football team was able to take two consecutive picks like that, and both of them end up being Hall of Famers. You know, his fifty-one was retired back in. Uh, I was in high school when it happened, back in ninety-four, and um, yeah, he passed away. So it's unfortunate, but. Um, the the calls for the Bears to win or people being convinced that they would because of this. Whether it would be divine intervention that, you know, Butkus was sending down a little love from uh, from heaven or if it was just one of those things where you don't want to bury one of your legends and then get your ass kicked on national TV. 
whatever it was, whether it was because we were finally ready to win a game or because we got a little uh, kiss from the gods uh, last night now that uh, Butkus is among them. Bear up to Dick Butkus. We did it for you. So anyway, guys, I think that will do it. So I can stop hitting the uh, mute button and hacking my way through this and spare myself from editing more pauses out of the show. And uh, boy, do I need this mini buy. Uh, Thankfully, I won't be back until Tuesday when we uh, are reviewing week five for the fourth phase. So uh, enjoy this little mini break. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy a stress-free weekend because the Bears can't lose if they don't play. And also, they've already won, so that makes it even better. So I think I'm just going to go out to a sports bar on Sunday and watch random football and eat food. So sounds good to me. You guys enjoy your weekend. I'm going to go rub some Vicks on my chest and take a nap. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the Bears Talk Underground. We'll see you next time.